The following is a presentation of WYM, Westminster Youth Ministry. In this study, we are looking at worldviews, asking questions like, what is a worldview? Why is it important? What is the biblical worldview? And why should understanding other worldviews be important for believers? We hope you enjoy. Okay. Uh, just like Matthew 28. A couple of announcements. Next week, we do not have youth, but... It is senior night next week, so come and celebrate our graduates. It'll start at 6.30, 6.30 to 8. Wednesday. Next Wednesday night. We'll have a time of celebration, and then there will be a dessert, a dessert, dessert. 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 social afterwards. Am I making a dessert? You can if you'd like to. Can you list all the seniors? Am I making a dessert? You can if you want to. <laughs> we are celebrating our seniors, so please come, enjoy some time, and we will send them off in a good fashion. Secondly, as I told you last time, we're going to be starting a new series next fall. I changed the question from hot questions to burning questions because it sounded better. So here's a box over here. That's like a burning question that you may have. So if you have a question that you would like us to discuss next semester, please just write it down, put it in the box, keep it anonymous. You don't have to tell me who wrote it. It will be fine. And please, and please just keep it appropriate. If it's inappropriate, I'm not going to do that question. Okay? All right. Peter. Will you open us in prayer? Amen. So we've been talking about worldview throughout this whole semester. And we've covered lots of different topics like what does the Christian worldview say about social justice? What does it say about how we're to view people uh, who are made in the image of God? And a whole slew of other things. So tonight we're going to kind of wrap it up. This is our last Wednesday at Westminster. So we're going to focus on bringing this home. We're going to wrap this up tonight. And we're going to look at how the Christian worldview shapes our decisions, shapes our life. Uh, So I want you to think about this. What would be the situation or thing that would either make it or break it for your faith? And you don't have to answer this out loud. What would be the thing or situation that would make it or break it for you with your faith? Or what would be the issue with your friends or family that might arise where you would say, not worth standing up for, or not worth the trouble? What would be the thing that would bring you to the point where your Christian worldview comes to clash with something, and you simply don't have words to express how hard or difficult it might be to engage that in the way that you would like to? Why should we ask those questions? Why is that? What is the underlying thing that's going on behind the answers to those questions? So what? Idolatry. What do you mean by that? Well, you're basically asking, like, what do you love more than the gospel? Okay. There might be some fear associated with that, yeah. uh, doubts, your, uh, rejection. Okay, these are all legitimate things. And if you answer yes to any of these, I want you to know that's okay. We all feel those things. But here's the thing. Let's turn to Matthew 28. So let me read 19 to 20 for me. This is the Great Commission. Who would like to read that? Micah. Micah, thank you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, Jesus says, And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. And what he's essentially saying here is, the Christian worldview can shape and mold how you approach life, uh, how you approach this world. And he's saying, I'm not leaving you to face that alone. Okay, I'm not leaving you to face things like how you approach atheists alone, or how you approach your friends who may have different beliefs than you alone. 
And that should be a sense of comfort for us. Okay, So when we ask those questions like, what would be the thing that would make it or break it with me with the faith? Or what would be the thing that would be not worth standing up for when it comes to my faith? Jesus promises to be with us in those things. And that's a wonderful thing. So tonight's question is, how does the Christian worldview shape my life? And we're going to look at this kind of four-tiered way of looking at the gospel. Have you all ever heard creation, fall, redemption, glory paradigm? That's what we're going to work through tonight. So let's work through the essentials of the Christian worldview, and then we're going to look at how those things change how we approach things in our life. So Christianity teaches a set of beliefs that shape our worldview. What do you think some of these are? I just named them. Creation, fall, redemption, glory. Okay, so let's talk about those. Okay, creation. What does the Christian worldview tell us about creation? God created here. Okay. There is an absolute God. He created. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't lack anything. Okay, there's no cause to his existence, right? This would mean he's eternal. And if he's eternal, then he does not, what? Change. Okay, and that's good for us. He creates us. And he didn't create us because he needed us. He created us because of what? He loves us. One writer says, as a painter leaves a part of himself on a canvas, so God reveals himself in creation. So God places his image where? In us. We talked about that two weeks ago. Okay, into the hearts and souls of human beings. Therefore, people can be rational and turn their attention towards the world, or they can turn their affection towards God. Okay? And since we believe that the universe reflects God's creative nature, that we can also have confidence to look to that creation and expect it to have order, because God is the picture of order and unity. Okay, so what about the fall? What, is, what does the fall teach us? Obviously, that we fell. Man is sinful. Okay? The heart of every person has a predisposition towards what? Sin. Okay? We, we will always be looking towards sin. Uh, if you read the beginning of Genesis, when, uh, when Moses is writing about uh, the, the, the way that people's hearts were inclined around the time of the flood, he said that their hearts were always choosing sin. Okay? That's, that's how we are naturally. Okay? The heart of every person is in rebellion with God, which means... Uh, it's a rebellion against all things that are good, all good, all things that are holy. Okay, sin not only affects our soul and our body, but it also affects our minds. It taints our minds. It changes the way we think about things. What's a way that that uh, that sin can change your Christian worldview? What would be a way? What do y'all think? Get in. Okay, you can teach heresy. That, that's an example. Okay, what about Vivian? Say what? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy? Yeah, Hypocrisy. We, can, we can become hypocrites, okay? So sin affects us. It, it can affect our minds, and it can change how we view the world when we should be viewing it through the lens of how God made us. So the Christian worldview would say that even man's best is touched by sin, okay? There's a quote up there, and I hope you guys are able to read it tonight. It's by Jerry Bridges. Yeah, I hope you and read it. It <laughs> says, even on, I'm paraphrasing because I can't see all of it. Uh, even on your worst days, you're not out of reach of God's grace, but even on your best days, you're, you're still in need of God's grace. So even our best, when we bring it to God, is still tainted by sin, which is why we need redemption, which is the third aspect. So man is in great need of rescue because of God's hatred of what? Sin. Uh, sin since man has fallen, there's no way that he can redeem himself, right? We needed somebody to come and save us. Barbara Molman was sharing with me an illustration this week. She was talking about somebody who did not believe in the incarnation. You all know what the incarnation is? When Jesus became man. And they said, there's no way. I just can't believe in that. And she said that this guy was uh, at his house and he got snowed in. And outside he, he heard these birds that were, were in the snow and they were kind of stuck in this little circle area that didn't have any snow. And he went outside to try and help them get free. So he dug a little path 
to get to the sidewalk where they could walk away. And he was hoping that the birds would follow him, but they didn't. And kind of through that, he realized that I'm not a bird. Why would they follow me? Jesus had to come and die, and he had to become man because we couldn't do it on our own. We had to have a perfect Savior who was fully God and fully man do that for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. So we're to promote Jesus by any means necessary to show people that we need redemption. They need redemption. It's the only way that we're made right with God. And lastly, glory, glorification. Okay? We have an eternal destination. Lord willing, we are going where? Heaven. Okay, To be with God. And what are we going to do there? We're going to worship him. We're going to praise him. Hopefully we're going to be eating steaks off of trees. We just get to reach up and pull one down. It's going to be awesome. Okay? That's what I would like to see in heaven. A flame and yon tree. Okay? His love dictates that he wants us to be with him forever. Okay? His love dictates that for you. Okay? If you love Jesus and you're one of his children, he wants you to be with him forever. Okay? The eternal God of the universe loves you and wants you to be with him. And that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. In heaven we're freed from sin and we're returned to in his image before the fall. No more pain, no more tears, etc., etc. So those, those are the four things. Let me write those down because we're going to work through those. So creation, fall, redemption, forget my handwriting as always, Okay, so let's look at how the Christian worldview changes how we view all these things. Okay, and I want to be very clear here. I'm not, I'm not telling you that if you just shore up your Christian worldview that your life is going to be good. Okay, I don't want you to think I'm, I'm teaching a legalistic lesson here because I'm not. This is not an honor God and he will bless you kind of message. This is, this is not a change your behavior kind of message. This is a message of how the Christian worldview, when we look towards Jesus... Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit and he changes how we approach things. And that's what I want us to focus on. We behave according to what we believe, not what we don't believe in. So let's look at these things that we do believe in. Okay? Creation. How does believing in a God who creates and loves his creation change us? I mean, like we were saying, we believe that we were created in the image of God, so it gives all people inherent value in our eyes. Okay, yeah. And knowing, sorry. It also gives like all of creation that's not human, like a place in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it gives us a love for the world that the God has given us. It doesn't give us a, a love for being of the world, but it gives us a love for, for people in the world and, and wanting to see them come to God. So knowing that God loves us and loves his creation changes how we view ourselves and others, which is what you were saying, Micah. It instills in us that Imago Dei principle where we view all people with dignity, we view all people with value. Okay, and we view we should, we should. and that, that goes the same for us. It should instill in us a sense of value and dignity, where we know that we are made in God's image and we have value and we have dignity. And knowing that there is dignity should give us perspective on things. Okay, when the Holy Spirit changes our hearts, He reminds us that God's our Creator, and He teaches us through that. And that change can only come from the Holy Spirit's work. So, how about the fall? How does knowing that man has fallen into sin and is left without hope change? us or how should it change us what do we naturally what how do we naturally view you know god and salvation we think that he should just give it to us right like we deserve it like we're pretty self-righteous but viewing the fall in, in the the light that it so how does a proper understanding of the fall help us understand the world around us and help us approach things in life 
This is an easy question. Sorry, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. You couldn't have forgotten my name. And I was just That's okay. I'll repeat the question. How does a proper understanding of the fall help us understand the world around us? Well, it explains a lot of things. Okay. Like, like what? Pain, okay. suffering, death, trial, <clears throat> tribulation. What we did wrong. Okay, yeah. I think it's a reminder, too, that we're the ones who walked away from God. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who... God didn't turn from us. We turned from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very humbling. And then also, like, I guess it ties to, like, the creation thing kind of opens, like, just, like, okay, all the people around me are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. The fall aspect is, like, okay, all of the people around me were were and are affected by sin. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, on, like two sides of it. Yeah, it kind of gives us some perspective on why people do the things they do. I think of specific family members who aren't believers. And I have to really, like, catch myself. Because in my head, I want to treat them the same as a believer. Like, why you know better than this. Why are you doing this? But they're not believers. They don't love Jesus. They don't want to to bring him glory. So they're going to make choices that that aren't going to do that. So it gives us perspective to think about people and and have empathy and sympathy. It doesn't mean we just excuse their sin. But it means that we can look at them and be like, they need Jesus. They need Jesus because of the fall. Okay? Uh, recognizing sin and calling it what it is can have a profound effect on your life. Okay? Have you all ever had something, you know, you've struggled with a sin or you've done something bad and somebody has exposed it? Does it feel good? No. No. But after some time, did it feel good? No. Probably not. But in the end, did it work out well for you? No. <laughs> no? Yes. Okay. Works out for the better. It works out for the better because it, it roots out sin in our lives. But talking about yeah. sin is painful. It is. Shame is. It is. Shame. Shame is a real thing. Okay, but does? And let me ask this question: Does the Holy Spirit ever bring shame? No. No. Okay. Does the Holy Spirit bring shame? No. Who, whose job is that? Satan does that. The Holy Spirit never brings shame. He brings conviction, which is way different than shame. Okay? But shame works in a way that to make us feel like we're not worthy of God's grace. But recognizing sin and calling it out, that's why we confess our sins on Sunday morning, like out loud. That's why we read confessions together, because it's a good practice to remind us that we need God. We are just as sinful as everybody else. Even though it may not feel good at the time, it's good for us to, to talk about these things and feel convicted of them. All right, how about redemption? How does believing that... How does believing that in that hopelessness, God provides the only way for redemption for us in Jesus change us? Kind of a loaded question. How does believing that we need redemption change us? That easier? Humbling. Okay, humbling. Getting is your hand up or is it yeah. he's stretching? What's up? We actually need God. Okay, yeah. It shows we, ha- we have a need. Okay. Who likes to admit that they need other people? Probably not very many of you. We're pretty independent people. We like to do things on our own. So to admit that we lack something or we have need is a huge thing for us. And believing Jesus and trusting him for salvation can have huge life changes for you, or it should. A good friend of mine, he says this. Uh, He says, you never leave Jesus neutral. You never leave him untouched. You don't walk away and say, that was interesting. I'm the same person as I was before. Every time you talk to him, every time you hear his word preached, he leads you where you are for better or for worse. There is no neutral encounter with God. So we can't just look at you know, this need for redemption and say, eh, maybe I'll do that later. Maybe I'll do it now. No, it's a big need for us. We can't just put it away and say, I'll deal with that later. We need God. He had to come and die for us. And lastly, glory. 
How does knowing that Jesus has gone and prepared a place for us in heaven where we will be in full right relationship with God change us? Looking towards where we're going, how does that change who we are? I think it changes our, our values okay. on Yeah, so how does... Uh, I'll simplify the question. So we're going to heaven if we believe in Jesus, right? So knowing that, how does that change who we are now? We're not there yet, but we will be if we believe in the promises of God. So how does that change how we live now? It's assuring. Is what? Assuring. Assuring, okay. What else? Also, like, gives us a love for others who aren't, like, going to experience it, I guess. And so it, like, gives us a desire to evangelize. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So it gives us a desire to fulfill the Great Commission, to go and, and tell others about it. Pastor Wade often uses the phrase, oh, how does he say it? Uh, heaven washes back into the present. So yeah, that, knowing that we're going to some place that's perfect and wonderful, that should, that should wash back into who we are now. It should change who we are. It should give us a better love for people. Because one, it gives us assurance. We know that we're secure in that. But it also, there's people that aren't going there. And, and God tells us to evangelize and tell the world about it. Knowing where we're going changes how we approach things. It brings a sense of contentment because we know that the struggles and hardships that we encounter now are temporary. They're not permanent. Do you know who Johnny Erickson Tata is? Before she was a writer, she was a young girl who was at a camp. She dove off a pier and didn't realize how shallow the water was, and she essentially broke her, her back on the bottom of the lake. It paralyzed her from the neck down. Now she writes books. She essentially cannot move anything below her neck. She's paralyzed. Here's what she says about eternity and glory. She says, For me, true contentment on earth means asking less of this life because more is coming in the next. Godly contentment is great gain, heavenly gain, because God has created the appetites in your heart, and it stands to reason that he must be the consummation of that hunger. Yes, heaven will galvanize your heart if you focus your faith, not on a place of glittery mansions, but on a person, Jesus, who makes heaven a home for you even now here on earth. So that's how viewing glory should change who we are, is we should look at this life and know that we're here temporarily, which means we have a great responsibility, but it also gives us a great assurance. We're not always going to be here. We're going to be with God one day. So let me ask you this question. Let's, let's wrap up here. How does your life look different than it did five years ago or ten years ago? I'm taller. I'm taller. Okay. Apart from the physical differences. <laughs> How does your life look different? Aiden. I guess that's a matter of opinion. Okay. What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, I come pretty mature as a 10, 11, 12-year-old. I think I've grown up a little bit. Okay. So compared to a 10 or 12-year-old, you're a little bit more mature. Okay. That's good. Wait. Which age were you? <laughs> okay. How about, how about in your faith? Okay. Yeah. I used to think I was better than everybody else. Uh-huh. And now I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, just, we're, just full of self, we're just full of self-righteousness tonight. Vivian. Uh, I've learned much more about how important it is to know, to learn about, um, just learn about God and mm-hmm. his word. I've learned how important that is, and I've also learned um, how God really does have a plan for us. Mm-hmm. So you, you learn the importance of growing in your faith. Okay. I, I think I've learned, like, you know how some people say like you're like the relation like some people see like the relationship side and mm-hmm. some people see like the big scary creative side mm-hmm. of God and like I've never had trouble with the relationship oh. part and I think in the past like maybe not five years mm-hmm. but like two years I've started to get a grasp more of the creation mm-hmm. like almighty powerful side. yeah yeah so our lot yes Michael last one 
me off the stage. Like, I always viewed God as really far okay. like super powerful creator, and now I view him as intimate father and okay. also a powerful creator. Yeah, okay. All right, so the point of me asking you that question is, I want you to know that the Christian worldview should grow and should change how you approach things and should change how you view certain issues. We should have, you don't have to like view everything through this, this paradigm right here, but th- this is a good practice to think about how these things affect everything that we think about the world. Okay? And I ask you that question because I, I want you to see how the Lord grows us and changes us, how the Spirit really works in our hearts. You may not be like this super mature Christian who knows all the scriptures by heart and is able to point out the right scripture at the right time for every situation. That's not what I'm talking about. But what the Holy Spirit really does grow us, and he teaches us. So as we approach all the issues that we've talked about this semester, okay, how the Christian worldview approaches, fill in the blank. Okay? As we grow in our faith, the Lord strengthens us and watches over us as we think about those things. So has the Christian worldview made any significant impact on how you approach certain issues? I want you to think about that question tonight. Right, and I'm going to close with this, this quote from a guy named Al Mohler. And he says, A God-centered worldview brings every issue... Every question, every cultural concern into submission to all that the Bible teaches. And it frames all understanding within the ultimate purpose of bringing greater glory to God. The task of bringing every thought captive to Christ requires more than haphazard Christian thinking. And it is to be understood as the task of the church and not merely the concern of the individual believer. The recovery of the Christian mind and the Christian worldview and the development of a comprehensive worldview will require the deepest theological reflection, personal reflection, and the most consecrated application of scholarship, the most sensitive commitment to compassion, and the courage to face all questions without fear. So your Christian worldview has a great impact on how you live. And I want you to think about how that Christian worldview shapes how you understand the world around you, the issues that you face, the things you face with your friends, the relationships that you're in. View those through the Christian worldview. And I'm not saying that everything will be perfect and rosy and everything will work out. But I am going to tell you that the Lord will grow you and he will shape you during that. Amen? Yes. Amen. Let us, let's pray and then we'll break into small groups. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this evening. We thank you that you have given us your word that teaches us that you are creator, that we are sinful, and that you sent your son to die for us, and that you are calling us home. Lord, we, uh, we ask that as we view everything in life through the lens of Scripture that you would teach us and that you would grow us. I ask that you would be with each individual in this room, Lord. There are many questions, many doubts, many fears. I ask that you meet them in those. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. And keep an eye out for new audio upcoming from WYM.